0: Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. com slash save.
1: You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network and X-Zone Broadcast Network visit our website at TV.com If I had a million dollars Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. And yes, we are here in the X-Zone. I must tell you, the uh, guest that we had on the hour before, he was, uh, as I said, he's got more holes in his theory th- about what he was talking about, which I still don't know what the heck he was talking about after trying to get through his babble for an hour. Um, he's got more holes in whatever he was saying than Billy Meyer has in a piece of cheese in his refrigerator in Switzerland. What we're doing is, um, you know, we've we've gone from the bizarre and the weird to somebody that we call a good friend here in the Exon. Jay Allen Danilik is our special guest. His website is www.ourcuriousworld, and we're going to be talking about Jeff's new book, "The Case for Reincarnation." And Jeff, welcome back to the Exon. Always great having you here, my friend.
4: Hey, Rob. Great to hear from you, buddy.
1: Hey, listen. Before we go any further, um, as, you know, XO, and as you know, the X Chronicles came out, and it was so funny because we published it, and we used uh, we used a, a um, uh, something from the internet that that uh, we believed was from the people where we got the information from. And I got an email from Jeff saying, "You know, geez, Rob, that was my article." So what I'd like to do is give Jeff credence and and the credit for the article that somebody else took credit for. Jeff, tell us a little bit about what happened here.
4: Well, I've been writing for this website called TopTens.net, and mm-hmm. um, they asked me for you know top 10 articles about th- different paranormal subjects, yep. uh, uh, top 10 uh, theories about Atlantis, or the top 10 ghost photos. And so I've been putting these up online here once in a while. Apparently, somebody picked it up and uh, took it for their own. I've had this happen before. You know, I'll be looking, I'll be Googling something, and then an article will come up, and I'll read it, and I'll say, gee, I think I wrote this. And then, <laughs> sure enough, they found it somewhere on my website and took it, and it happens all the time. It's just kind of the price of having an Internet.
1: Well, the the, the, the point is that you wrote the top ten, what was it called? Geez, uh, Craig, can you find me the article? Anyway, the article was written by by Jeff, so I just want to make sure that uh, Jeff Allen Danilic gets the credit, and we're going to make uh, we're going to also mention it in the June issue of the X Chronicle. So, Jeff, sorry about that, Bal.
4: No problem at all. That's fine. And uh, the article was uh, the the top uh, uh, explanations for UFOs. Yes,
1: that's right. The top ten explanations for UFOs. Thanks, guys. Jeff, congratulations on another book. What number is this?
4: You know, I think it's. Eight or nine. I can't, a couple have been co-written, so I think it's right around there somewhere.
1: Well, this one is called The Case for Reincarnation. Do you believe in reincarnation?
4: You know, Rob, actually, uh, after years of research, I've come to the conclusion that it seems to be the most valid explanation that I have found yet uh, about uh, what happens when we die. So to answer your question, yeah, I, I really do.
1: All right, you and I have to take a commercial break, Jeff. Please stand by. Exxonation, our very special guest is a good friend of the Exxon, Jeff Allen Danilich. His website is www.ourcuriousworld.com. That's www.ourcuriousworld.com. And he's got a brand new book out. It's entitled The Case for Reincarnation. And that's what we're going to be speaking about this hour here in the Exxon. We're going to be talking about reincarnation. Are you a believer or are you a skeptic? Send me your comments, Exxon at TV.com. I'll be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break with Jeff Allen Daniluk. As the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, and Star Cable. 1-800-610-7035 is toll-free. And don't forget, if you'd like to get your complimentary copy of the X Chronicles newspaper, just send me an email, exone at xzoneradiotv.com, and we'll send you a link with the compliments of our fine advertisers. We'll be back in two minutes. Don't go away.
0: Privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages.
2: Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop. Opt out. Your job's a joke you broke
1: Jeff Allen Danielinks, our special guest, exonation. www.ourcuriousworld.com. We're talking about Jeff's new book entitled The Case for Reincarnation, published by the good people at Llewellyn, and their website is www.llewellyn.com. Jeff, how far back in history does the quest for immortality go?
4: Well, you know, it probably goes all the way back to the dawn of, you know, human civilization. I think that uh, the earliest man was the first creature on the planet which was capable of really thinking about its place in the universe. And I think that was the moment that we began to think, you know, what are we doing here? What, do all this, what does all this mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, think that's, I think that reincarnation was a natural outgrowth of that, the, the idea that uh, the, the soul is immortal, and uh, that it does come back in, in different forms. I think is the oldest one of the oldest faith uh, beliefs out there huh, in the world.
1: Now, is there any evidence to support the the possibility that reincarnation is real?
4: Well, actually, there's quite a bit, and this was the biggest uh, surprise that I found when I began to study this subject, because I came out of a uh, evangelical Christian background where mm-hmm. uh, reincarnation was not a uh, was not believed and so i began to look into it and found out that there was actually quite a bit of uh, empirical evidence not proof of course but empirical evidence that uh, there is such a thing Uh, probably the work of dr ian stevenson who was a uh, psychiatrist out of uh, virginia who started back in the 50s interviewing children all over the world who had memories of having lived a past life. These were kids as young as three or four years old. As soon as they could start talking, mm-hmm. they would tell you all about their past families, their past life families. They could tell you about the village they lived in and what their name, how they died. And he, uh, he discovered almost two or 3,000 cases of these all over the world, especially you know in India, and in countries where reincarnation is more acceptable. Uh, but I thought that was really interesting and very compelling evidence, and next uh, just
1: one part of it. Well, what is the purpose of reincarnation, Jeff?
4: Well, reincarnation works from the premise that the soul uh, generates different personalities into time and space uh, for the purpose of getting to uh, experience itself. Mm-hmm. It's it's a little complicated. To explain as simply as I can, Um, God is is, uh, something that lives in a world of concept. God can't experience anything from within the spiritual realm because everything is conceptual. It has to come into the flesh, into time and space, in order to experience anything practically. Therefore, what we are essentially is God's little sensors that have come into the flesh, Mm -hmm. and we are here to have a range of experiences that is essentially God's way of experiencing itself, if that makes any sense.
1: All right, so reincarnation depends on the soul, so I guess we need to define what the soul is then.
4: Okay, the soul is uh, that part of God which has separated from the rest of the, the entity of God. Okay. So in other, in other words, it has a sense of separation from, uh, from its source. And this is what allows it to have its own individual experiences
2: mm-hmm.
4: um, and so the, the soul is the essence of what we are it's the divine element of who we are and then the personality that we experience today is the is a manifestation of the soul so the soul generates these personalities into the flesh uh, repeatedly and then each each time it does this it pulls experiences out of that which it uses to generate the next the next personality or the next ego.
1: So, when we're when we're looking at the soul, as could we say, the soul is a seed of God?
4: Yeah, you could kind of see it almost like it's a, a cell in God's body.
1: Okay, or like a little, you know, these little—I uh, I forget what they're called. When a dandelion goes to seed, you blow oh, yeah. on it and, and you little, see the little
4: spores will fly out. Right, yeah.
1: right. Could we be a, Could we be classified as a spore of God then? Yeah, that's or scene, kind of yeah.
4: one way to look at it. Uh, it's not so much for God to grow. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it is in a way, because he's, he's actually growing through these experiences. That's right. Uh, so God is actually, in effect, learning what it is to be poor, hungry, happy, sad, whatever. Because he can now have some context to do it in, which is the the realm of the physical realm, you know, the time and space.
1: All right, so here we are in one lifetime. We You know, we we live the lifetime, we pass away, we come back, and we do it all over again. What happens in between times, between reincarnations? Well,
4: there's a lot of speculation. My own personal opinion is that in between uh, these incarnations, we have a chance to sort of reflect on what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Kind of look over what happened, kind of like a life review. We we see what we did correctly, what we did incorrectly, what you know why we did the things we did. We, right. we have a right. real understanding for once why you know why we're the way we are because we stripped away the ego and all the the personal ambitions, and now we can see the essence of who we are, and then we can determine what we want to do on the next go around. What what things do we need to work on? What areas do we want to experience next? Hmm. Also, remember that when you come back, it's not you coming back as the same person. So, in other words, once Rob McConnell is gone, Rob McConnell doesn't come back in a, in the future, but the soul that birthed you will birth another personality, and that personality will have a um, will have used the experiences that you had in this lifetime to construct its next experiences. So, in other words, Each incarnation is like a a sibling, a soul sibling, if you will.
1: All right, so basically uh, the soul holds all the different carnations that that each one of the lives that are attached to the soul has gone through, and how do the memories go from one, let's say, Rob McConnell, to the next carnation?
4: Well, okay, think of it this way. The, The soul is like the mainframe computer. Yeah. And each lifetime is a little laptop that's networked into it. So all the information that you put into your little network, your little laptop, goes into that mainframe.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And one day that laptop is destroyed, but all that information is retained in the mainframe. Okay, so nothing's lost. And then the next incarnation that comes from that mainframe is, already has that information that it can uh, go, it can refer to in in manufacturing the next incarnation. So I guess one thing that makes it easier to understand is that recognize that you are a reflection of the soul that generated you. So the next person that is generated may not be remarkably different than you are
1: now. Is that why there are certain people that we meet we have an instant connection with?
4: Right. These are people quite often that we have dealt with in previous incarnations, either in positive or negative mm-hmm. ways. Have you ever met somebody that you just immediately liked? hmm Sure. Or, or people that you've immediately disliked.
2: Yeah.
4: You know, and there's no real reason why you like or dislike them so intensely. It's just mm-hmm. that for some reason they just have an energy about them. And that's because these are people you may have dealt with in previous incarnations. So the theory is that some souls kind of travel together in a pack, almost like a flock of geese coming in and out of different incarnations and interacting with each other for whatever reason, because they, they seem to get something from interacting with one another.
1: Where does the expression old soul come from,
2: Jeff?
4: Well, old soul is kind of a misnomer, because it makes it sound like some souls are, are younger than other souls. Right. An old soul is really just one that has had uh, more experiences, more incarnations than in another. The soul itself, of course, is timeless, internal. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't age. It, it, it's always been there. There's never been a time when the soul did not exist. But the individual experiences a soul has may be, uh, may be limited. It may not have had as many as another soul. Maybe it has other ways it tries to express itself uh, through, through other spiritual entities. Uh, So it hasn't come into the flesh that much. And the more it's come in, though, the more it learns, the more it retains, the older, in quote marks, it becomes. And so that's what they mean when they're talking about an old
1: soul. Why is it that certain religious philosophies accept reincarnation and others don't?
4: Well, because reincarnation doesn't uh, contain within it uh, a concept of eternal punishment, which is a big part of Western tradition. The idea that you have to go before God as a judge and then mm-hmm. you are sent to hell or whatever for your crimes. Whereas in reincarnation, even an adult Hitler is essentially reincarnated. So some people decide, well, there's no justice in that because he deserves to suffer forever in hell. So they reject reincarnation out of hand because there's not enough punishment in it, <laughs> in some ways, some people's way of looking at it. Um, However, reincarnation does contain a punitive element, uh, just in respect to, uh, imagine what kind of uh, uh, an event a life review would be for Adolf Hitler.
1: He's probably been reincarnated uh, into a uh, fire hydrant near the busiest uh, animal humane society going.
4: (laughs) Or makes more sense even to have him reincarnate as an orthodox Jew. There you go. So then he has a different perspective on these things. And, and so, you know, nothing is really wasted. Mm. All of these lessons go into the mix.
1: So does karma, does karma fit into the big picture of, uh, of reincarnation?
4: Well, karma is kind of a, uh, a term that people bandy around like you're going to get this for that. If, yeah. you, if you are nasty in this life, you're going to have something bad happen to you in the next life. Uh, in my book, I explore this issue in more detail, and, and I really don't believe in that punitive sort of effect. I do think there is cause and effect. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you do if you do A, B might result, and sure. that's true in this life or any other lifetime. Uh, however, I think that the idea that you are you come into a, a lower or a more difficult lifetime because of something you did in the past is really not consistent with what we see in past life regressions. We don't see people coming into a punitive lifetime because they were nasty in a
1: past life. But- Jeff, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our commercial break at the bottom of the hour. XO Nation, Jeff Allen, X our special guest, www.ourcuriousworld.com. We're talking about Jeff's new book, The Case for Reincarnation, published by our friends at Llewellyn. Their website is www.lewellyn.com. 1-800-610-7035 Worldwide Toll Free Email XZone At XZoneRadioTV.com On MSN Messenger TV At Hotmail.com And our website www.XZoneRadioTV.com I'll be back on the other side Of this commercial break With the news With Jeff Allen Danilich As we continue Here in the XZone
4: My name is Michael Telstar, Canada's leading mentalist from Toronto,
2: Ontario. Hi, my name is Spoonza, and you're listening to my dad, Rob McConnell, on the XM. External-
3: this is Psychic Dorothy from St. Catharines, and you're listening to Rob McConnell...
1: Come back, everyone. Jeff Allen, Danelix, our special guest. His website is OurCuriousWorld.com. That's www.OurCuriousWorld.com. We're talking about Jeff's new book, The Case for Reincarnation, published by Llewellyn. And their website is www.lewellyn.com. Jeff, when you were writing your new book, The Case for Reincarnation, what was it that gave you a aha moment?
4: Well, you know, um, this is my second book on reincarnation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this has been a progressive aha all the way through it. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know if I had a moment of, like, an epiphany or anything mm-hmm. that I hadn't realized. I think the biggest thing that I came away with from this book was understanding the relationship between the present personality and the past ones. You know, having done a past life regression and looked at my past lives, I realized that these past lives were not me, per se, because I'm a unique individual in this particular incarnation, but that I, I understand there's sort of a connection, almost like these, these were brothers or or siblings of mine. And I'm kind of looking, I'm peeking into their memories and their experiences, but they still have an impact on me. So is it, I, I think that's kind of an interesting way to do it.
1: Is it possible that there's a connection between past lives or reincarnation and... Parallel universes, multiple dimensions, where we are more, uh, where there's, there are more of us that are on other planes uh, in existence at one given time, and that we all tie back into that main computer bank that you were talking about, and we we share certain experiences.
4: Yeah, that gets really into the abstract and the you know, conceptual. But uh, I suppose the idea that you know there are other universes in which. In one universe we are A, in one universe we are B. Mm-hmm. We have different experiences in each one. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't be as it wouldn't surprise me if this was true. Now I have no personal experience with this, where I've you know said, oh, I I think I'm in a parallel universe. But there are people out there, including theoretical physicists, who are very open to this idea. Uh, obviously, it would have an impact upon the uh, reincarnation as we understand it, because we could come into this life in one context and come into this life again in another mm-hmm. context, or, you know, e- you know, an infinite number of experiences within the same personality.
1: Is, is there any, any idea, Jeff, on how many times we do come back?
4: Um, no, it, it's some people, now the Hindus believe it's, it's eternal. You never stop reincarnating. But most reincarnations, especially in the West, believe that you reach a certain point where you've pretty much done everything you need to do Mm -hmm. in a particular context, which would be planet Earth. And then you either move on to another type of uh, spiritual experience, maybe uh, coming back as a spirit guide or an avatar, or you just move on to other spiritual realms and see what you can learn from there. But I do think there is a point at which it's kind of a law of diminishing returns. The more you keep doing something, Mm -hmm. the less you get out of it each time. Until finally, you get to a point where there's not a lot more you can really experience within a particular context.
1: How many times have you been regressed by hypnosis?
4: I've only done it once, but they—I went back through. Uh, let's see, three lifetimes.
1: And while um, while you were under hypnosis, did you have total recall of those lifetimes?
4: Not total. What it was more like was watching uh, a movie and just noticing things in the movie, and then you also had. You could share certain emotions with the past life entity. Uh, If there was some traumatic event that had occurred in that lifetime, Mm -hmm. you could often feel the same emotions they felt when they were experiencing it. Uh, For example, I experienced uh, the loss of a loved one in one lifetime. That was very close to me and I was just weeping. You know, now I'm not a a very uh, emotional person naturally. And I couldn't stop it Mm -hmm. because I felt like I was sort of taken into this guy's experience and I was feeling the same emotions he was feeling. Uh, I didn't know all the details of what had happened, but it was still a very powerful, kind of almost an overwhelming sort of sensation.
1: Why is it then when, when you speak to people who've gone through past life regression, you hear the stories on how they were Cleopatra, they were Caesar, they were King Henry VIII, they were... Mary, Queen of Scots, uh, Christopher Columbus. Uh, and there are, uh, there are those I've even talked to who said they were Jesus Christ. Why is it that people like to put themselves into those specific roles instead of like like you just did, you know, talk to us about who you were. And, you know, you didn't mention that you were any of these great people.
4: No, in fact, in, in all of the uh, research I've done, I've rarely come across people who claimed uh, to be uh, famous people. Hmm. However, I'm sure it happens. There are such a thing as fantasy-prone personalities, as I'm sure you're aware from ooh, some of your guests. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there are people who want to bring some color into their lives so they can actually manufacture these, these memories. Uh, they watch stuff on TV. They get an idea of what Cleopatra was like. Mm-hmm. They think that's very exotic. And because they're, they're, uh, their actual life is fairly mundane, they bring that sort of uh, sense of drama and so people can make themselves believe all kinds of things if they're not careful. So you have to be very careful when you work with this. Uh, what I look for in a, a a real good past life regression is people coming up with stories that are that they wouldn't normally have any reason to make up. They're not that amazing, you know. They're not that dramatic, but they're just very natural stories that they tell. How many uh, people? Did, like-
1: I, I'm sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Uh, No, go ahead. What was your question? I was going to ask you, how many people you actually interviewed for your book? Well,
4: what I did is I I met a local hypnotist who does this, Mm -hmm. and I watched a couple of uh, family members get uh, uh, regressed. I did it myself. I asked him stories about other people that he's had done, uh, his own experiences having been regressed. I can't claim that I interviewed lots and lots of people, mm-hmm. but uh, there was a, a degree of consistency among those that I did see or talk to uh, that was kind of compelling. You know. It wasn't really uh, all over the board. It was mm-hmm. really very consistent.
1: Interesting. What was it like? You know, for, I've been told that people who don't want to be hypnotized cannot be hypnotized. So how do we know that the information that we're getting from people who are under hypnosis and who are talking about past lives are really talking about a past life that they have had? And they're not just using something or bits and pieces of, uh, of, of television shows, movies, and real-life experiences to create these characters,
4: well, that's a great question, and this is something that uh, legitimate hypnotherapists work with all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. First of all, a good, a good hypnotist knows whether a person is really under or not. Right. So it's really hard to fake that you're hypnotized. There, there's little signs they can tell, not just by your reactions, but by your body language, the way you relax, how you breathe. So they can tell if you're hypnotized. Uh, the second thing is you're right. People will sometimes confabulate stuff. They will it, bring in bits and pieces of things or they want things to be a certain way, but it's, but you can usually see that, you mm-hmm. know, because it's like, you know, this is something they talked about all the time and they want, you know, they wanted to be a, an astronaut or something. So they have this fantasy, right. but then once you get past that and you start talking about other lives, then all of a sudden you can get more into really what's going on, once they get kind of past this fantasy part of it. Uh, because you, you can't really repress the, that aspect of who you are, those experiences that you've had in other lifetimes. You can cover them up with, with kind of make-believe stuff, but at some point a good hypnotherapist can get through all of the garbage and get mm-hmm. to the real past lives if they work at it.
1: Tell, tell me, Jeff, is the lifetime that we come into sheer random, or do we actually choose what our next incarnation is going to be?
4: I think it's a little bit of both. You know, you can make plans to go on vacation to Mm -hmm. Europe. You can have a whole itinerary, but chances are that things are going to happen and all the plans are going to go out the window, or you're going to decide to stay longer in one place and not go to Ireland or something like this. And it's the same way, I think, when we come into an incarnation. We may pick some of the basic elements, maybe what country what race, what gender. But once we come into the Incarnation, we're going to have a series of experiences and events that are going to be, some of those are going to be out of our, beyond our control, that are going to shape what happens after that. So a life can, it'll have a degree of randomness in it, mm-hmm. but there's also a degree of pre-planning. So it's kind of a, a bit of both.
1: So I, I'd just like to step back a, a few steps, Jeff. We were talking about in between incarnations, where do we go between these incarnations?
4: Well, I don't think it's a question of going anywhere. I think it's a, a, a question of existing in a particular dimension. Uh, when, you, when you die, I think that you leave the physical realm. There really is no, no uh, point in space and time that you exist. You're kind of outside of those things. So you, t- to answer your question, you really don't go anywhere, but you change your perspective of where you're at. So you're you're effectively in the spiritual realm is where you're at where and and uh, the spiritual realm doesn't exist in any one place it's kind of everywhere So
1: could we say that spirit is 100% matter?
4: No, actually spirit or energy, is, I should is say. the opposite of matter. But it creates matter Is the is the uh, the material that spirit uses to come into the flesh. So we're just puppets. No, we're not puppets because consciousness Exists uh, apart from all of these things. So when we come into the flesh, we come in with our own free will. We come mm-hmm. in with certain things we want to do or not do. Um, you know, we're, we have as much freedom in this uh, in these decisions coming back in the flesh as we do in decisions we make in our life. You know, in your own lifetime, there's things you you can choose to do, mm-hmm. things you have to do. Yeah. You know, but you don't really consider yourself a puppet necessarily. Even though there might be things you are obligated to do, uh, and the same thing with with reincarnation, you have things you 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 have choices to make. Mm-hmm. You can go left or right, you know or straight. you know you can choose one of those three. and then when you do that, that's going to open up a whole new series of events and experiences that you have to decide about.
1: So let me ask you this hypothetical question, my friend. Uh-huh. Are we living a reality, or are we living a holographic type existence? Where our spirit is just sitting back and projecting this, what we believe to be existence, onto some cosmic holodeck.
4: <laughs> that's, that's a real cosmic question, my friend. Uh, actually, I believe it's a little bit of both. I think that what we, are, we live in what's called the Maya, mm-hmm. which is what the, the Buddhists refer to as the illusion. Right. However, it's a collective illusion. It's one that we are all sharing in. So think of it this way: life is a dream, mm-hmm. but we're all in the dream.
1: So let me let me let me add to this quandary that I've just spelled out. Would extraterrestrials have reincarnation experiences?
4: I, I think any sentient life form uh, would reincarnate. So yes, I think that if a, if an extraterrestrial is intelligent, uh, has con you know has sentience. Mm-hmm then yes, it probably would also reincarnate. Now, their cycles could be very different. They might have lifespans of several hundred years or Mm -hmm. thousands of years. um, Or they might come back every couple of months. Who knows? So Uh,
1: so, So in biblical times, when they were talking about the second coming of Christ, are we talking about his reincarnation?
4: Well, I think they were talking about his actual physical return uh, when he ascended and then come back down in, in the same form he came up in. So I don't think they're really talking about a different uh, a different personality. So, Although it's interesting in the Bible, though, yeah. is that that was a big thought. You know, people were asking uh, John the Baptist whether he was uh, essentially the reincarnation of Elijah. That's right. You know, so so that, uh, that idea was around even in Jesus' day, and there are some... Uh, hidden Gospels, the Gnostic Gospels, for example, which do talk about reincarnation. So it's it's an idea that was around in Jesus' time.
1: So I'm, I was just wondering that if they were talking about the second coming of Christ, and if Christ, uh, if reincarnation is, as you and I have been talking about for the past hour, where, where it's all these collectives and these seeds, is it possible that the second coming of Christ has come and gone?
4: Well, um, how about this way? Think of it this way. Christ means God with us. It means, you know, an indwelling Godly mm-hmm. spirit. So maybe the second coming of Christ just means that enough of us will have a sort of Christ consciousness. That that's the way that, you know, Christ returns, is through us, through our becoming aware of our own divine nature.
1: Jeff, stand by, buddy. You and I have to take our final break. Exonation. Jeff Allen Danilick's my special guest, good friend of the Exon. His website is www.ourcuriousworld.com. His new book is entitled The Case for Reincarnation. It's available at his website and through the good people of Llewellyn, www.lewellyn.com. 1-800-610-7035, toll-free worldwide. Email is exxon at com On MSN Messenger, exxonradiotv at hotmail.com. And our website, www.xoneradiotv.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break. As we continue, live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, with Jeff Allen Danlock. Don't go away. Jeff Allen Danilink is our special guest, OurCuriousWorld.com. Tell me, Jeff, do you think that reincarnation is a natural part of evolution, spiritually, that is?
4: Yeah, I absolutely do. I think that is the mechanism by which uh, we grow closer to the source, grow closer back to God, and finally become aware of God's Mm -hmm. uh, presence all
1: around us. Do you think that we were meant to understand or discover reincarnation?
4: I don't think it was a question of intent. I think it's as, as we grow spiritually, mm-hmm. we just naturally get to a point where we can understand things that may have been foreign to us before. Much like a child can't really understand calculus until they reach a certain age. I think once we reach a certain level of spirituality, then we begin to understand these things. And uh, that's where we just naturally begin to be aware of it.
1: Do we go backward and forward in time with, uh, with reincarnation, or do we always progress into the future?
4: Well, I believe that since time is an element of it. I think that sequencing, that sequentiality if mm-hmm. that's a real word, uh, is a part of it. So by, if we go backwards, I'm not really sure how that's going to help us grow spiritually other than to just come to understand maybe something that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. I think it's a forward-looking idea. That as we move forward, we, we progress down this road, and we become you know more, uh, more in touch with our divine nature. So I think it's more of a forward-looking thing.
1: And, and finally, Jeff, is it possible that the next incarnation that a person on this planet may have is to be reincarnated on another planet, in another solar system, or another dimension, or another universe?
4: Well, you know, people have uh, claimed in in regression therapy to have lived on other planets. And I know a few people, I think, probably have lived on other planets. But (laughs) I I think that uh, you can change venues if you feel that that's going to be useful to you. But it's kind of like changing uh, uh, colleges every semester. You know, if you keep changing colleges after each semester, Mm -hmm. it's going to be very difficult to maintain that, that that equilibrium. So I don't think most people do this, but I think it's always an option.
1: And how about, do we ever change species? For example, human this time, horse next time, next time blue whale, next time dog, next time human, or do we remain within our species?
4: I I think it's one way only. I think that lower life-form animals can move up into sentience, Mm -hmm. but I think once you're sentient, you're not going to move backwards into into creatures that are sentient. So it wouldn't make any sense to come back as a dog or something, because you're not going to have that self-awareness.
1: Hey, Jeff, as always, when you're with us, time goes by so fast. Let our listeners know where they can find out more about you and get a copy of your new book, The uh, okay. Case for Reincarnation.
4: Yeah, they can go to my website, uh, ourcuriousworld.com. I have a little bio. I've got other articles in there they can look at, and they got an email link if they want to send me a, a little note. And they can click on my book right there on the page, and it'll take them right to Llewellyn where they can order it.
1: Hey, Jeff, always great talking to you, my friend. Take care of yourself. Look forward to the next time you join us here in the EXO and say hi to your family for me. I will. It's been a lot of fun, and you take care, Rob. I hey, will, my bye. good friend. Bye-bye now. Jeff Danilich has been my special guest this hour, a good friend of the x and of mine. His website is www.ourcuriousworld.com. That's www.ourcuriousworld.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break at six and a half minutes past as we continue here in the X-Zone. Don't go away.